It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for Lax Class 134. 134 episodes of Lax Class, my goodness. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you as we record on a nice, beautiful Sunday afternoon here. And a whole bunch to talk about on this week's Lax Class. We got our Stampede Stallion coming up in quarter four. Lots of quick sticks in quarter number three. Might even slip a rant in there, Brad. We'll see how that goes in quarter three. We got uh, Lacrosse the Nation, of course, and uh, it's starting to sweep the nation. Never mind Lacrosse the Nation. It's sweeping the nation, Brad, as a lot of people are, are digging Lacrosse the Nation. And we're going to the Rocky Mountains this week as we'll talk to none other than Matt Brown, the coach, Denver, Team Canada, all of it. Matt Brown, he's going to dial us in on Box Lacrosse in Denver and Colorado. Lots happening there, so look forward to that conversation. And, of course, the big focus is coming up here in quarter number one and uh, exciting news on the horizon. Brad, I know you just got back from the park. It's park season out there in Ladner and, and around the Lower Mainland. Restrictions are lifting. Things are looking brighter and cheerier as the days go by here. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I was, um, yeah, things are things are easing up a little bit, and people are partaking already. Like, I mm. I was downtown on Friday for the first time in a long time, sat on a patio on, on Hornby Street and, and had a pint with my boss, and I'm like, hey, this feels this is about as normal as it is as it gets, you know. Back on a patio, drinking beer in downtown Vancouver. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, watching watching the Montreal Canadiens beat the Leafs this weekend. Oh my goodness! Yes. Uh, force a game seven in front of 2,500 fans in Montreal. The first time we've seen sort of any crowd at a Canadian. There was more than 2,500 in there too, by the way. Like, but that's okay. Like, for, like, I don't know, like 10 grand or something. And and now the Leaf fans, I, I forgot to check in on and our buddy Pat Gregoire, who you know pretty much lives and dies with those Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, to see how he's doing after two straight wins by the Canadians to force a game seven. But now the Leaf fans are saying to like Rob Ford, hey, like let's get frontline workers who are double vaccinated with two shots into the building and let's have a little home ice advantage here like Montreal did. I'm I'm down with the program here, man. You got two shots. Let him in. Yeah, and we, we got to be a little bit careful here because this podcast is going to air after Game 7. That's so true. The might, yeah, who, that... who knows? The Leafs, we, we can't shit on the Leafs too hard right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, we But I, 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 I knew that was going to happen. I knew that if Montreal won with butts in the seats, that Toronto would... I, I like the way that they're doing it. Like I, I kind of thought, like, okay, Toronto's going to cry foul if Montreal mm-hmm. does win, and then and then cry and want their own fans there. But they're doing it the right way by wanting frontline workers there. So I can't really feel too bad that they want their own fans there. I understand why they want their own fans there. We all, we yeah. all do. But yeah, yeah it, it was fun to see. Like our, for people that don't know, for British Columbia, like we're as as of June fifteenth, if all goes well, in the next two weeks, um, sports will be full bore. Uh, all ages, indoors, 
no spectators, right? But um, ready to go June fifteenth. So that bodes well for the BC Junior A Lacrosse League. I know we're gonna talk some Junior A stuff here. We in are. A bit. That bodes well for my daughter. That bodes well for everybody that playing playing minor lacrosse or any minor yeah. sport, yeah. For that matter, in British Columbia, it's like just driving by the baseball diamonds. The parking lots know, are packed man. now, and all the parents are back outside the ball fields. Like it's. It's, it's happening. And listen, happening. I know we're not having a man cup, but I still have hope that the WLA is going to put something together here for a little uh, late summer, late summer tourney as well. We'll talk about it uh, a little bit more in quarter number three and quick sticks. we got a bunch, but uh, junior a and the return of lacrosse in summertime is going to be a big focus here, uh, but not the, you know not the big focus right now, Brad. You know what I kind of hope can happen now too, even if it isn't a WLA sanctioned year, but like, Let's get the NLL to roll out some combines or something like that's that. That's coming. That's to common. get, you know, not not even like a, not a, like a pre-training camp, and just to get guys playing because it's been so yeah. long since guys have had competition, hard competition. Yeah, look for uh, some combine announcements coming in. Well, I would say probably next week because I, I think uh, Edmonton's got scoops something that, cooking. Scoops, scoops Elliott on that one. Well, that, just uh, uh, stay tuned. I don't like. I I always get nervous when I'm when I'm. Playing. <laughs> Because <laughs> my wrist slapped and all the rest of it. So yeah, listen uh, to keep keep posted for some combine news coming up here around. Well, probably around Canada and down the states. Like I look down the states, Brad, in like full buildings indoors. People are rocking, no masks, all the rest of it. Just man, I know we're behind, but it gives me hope. And and just looking to see what normal life looks like again is uh, super encouraging and one of the places that they are having a party is down is down in sin city why are we mentioning that we're about to tell you here in the big focus big focus big focus focus other than a big focus focus big focus Big focus, big focus, focus, big focus. Brad, the NOL is going to Las Vegas. The news coming out via Twitter, Sportico, uh, kind of breaking this news. And let's be honest with ourselves here. We, as I, I, I refer to me and you, have known this for quite some time. Again, again, we weren't really at liberty to spill the beans. But Sportico coming out last week, the commissioner himself, Nick Sakevich, backing that article out on social media saying yes indeed nll is heading to sin city joe Sai, owner of the san diego seals has bought himself another team and i know we got some some other owners uh to go along with this franchise but we're going to vegas and that's all that needs to be said right right there is, is we're going to vegas 2022 2023 season vegas will be the 15th team in the national lacrosse league so it's uh it's it's a it's a ways down the road, but you know not as far as not as far as it may think. We're mm. actually only a season away from that. So yeah. let's go. Obviously, in great ownership hands, they've seen what Joe Sai's done with the PLL, with his history of lacrosse, with the San Diego Seals. More Joe Sai, the better. As far yeah, as like, with, get with him involved of, as much as possible. With the game, a couple with the game in Vegas a couple years ago to get a little taste of action. Um, this is fantastic news for the National Lacrosse League. Like, not only is every player going to want to play there, visit there, stay there, live there. <laughs> yes. um, every Announce fan there. is going to yeah. want to go down there and make their road trip there. But um, lacrosseflash.com, Evan Sheminar has got an article up there on his random thoughts. He's a Vegas resident part-time, so yep. he kind of gets deep with the history 
of sports in that city, but lays out some, some Cole's notes. I'll give you, um, you know, to make Vegas successful, you can't just rely on people planning their bachelor parties from Vancouver to go watch a lacrosse game and tie that in. Right. Like you have to have the locals. So I think that's gonna have to be a big focus for Vegas is to get local, uh, local lacrosse fans out there and start developing an actual fan base for a Vegas team. And then the question remains as where they're going to play. Because T-Mobile is like the most overbooked and most expensive arena in the world. In the world. So yeah. it's probably not going to happen where the Vegas Golden Knights are playing. It's got to happen on the Strip. Um, MGM, you, I'm hearing, Brad. MGM. You want to have a you want to have a casino in it so you can get the casino's marketing wing behind you too and be on the Strip. So, yeah, maybe one of the boxing arenas that are there. Yeah. MGM being one of, being one of and those. I think that holds what like one. ten to fourteen. I want to say somewhere yeah, like 12, 12, 12 maybe at yeah. the high end, which is perfect for the National Lacrosse League. Absolutely. So, and and as I mentioned, some other owners in on the the franchise with Josiah. I I know who they are. <laughs> I think the NLL would like to announce those people, so I am going to bite my tongue on that. But let me just say that these other guys are going to be well-known people, and you're going to be excited about who is part of this ownership group. Am I right on this? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. And one with a history of the game and a a longtime promoter Mm. of the game, we'll, we'll dangle that carrot out there too. Okay. But that is, uh, yeah, that is super. That's super cool news, and it's in, it's aligned with what Nick Sakevich has wanted. He wants to blo- blossom this lean, league up to about sixteen teams and then stall out. But yeah. he wanted to get to sixteen in rapid succession, and he's doing another he's doing Western team, which I think is key, right? Another team in yeah, the West. Which, in the, so I think one more Western team, Vancouver and San Diego, yeah. and that'll be perfect. I think one out. more Western team to round it out, and then I think we got eight and eight. Do we not? If if we get one more team in the West for sixteen. You got it. Yeah, So we're hearing that the next two teams that will be announced, Vegas now one of them, and the other one will hopefully also be a, a Western team. Mm-hmm. So, and then we're like really lacrosse the nation. Right. And like all point to the U.S., the, the, the Southwest, the, the mid-U.S., um, all across Canada, literally from coast to coast, from Halifax to Vancouver. Uh, it's about as spread out as you can get from Georgia to Vegas to Vancouver to Halifax to San Diego and all the corners in between, like – that's the cross the nation, baby, and they've done a good job of putting that plan together. Love it, man. Uh, so we're going to Vegas and look for more news coming out next month uh, from the league about uh, about it all. We'll have entry draft, expansion draft. It's all coming up here later on this summer, as well as the PLL training camps kicking off this week too. We should probably sneak oh, yeah. sneak that in. There. Have your feed as devastated as mine has been with with PLL all over it? Like there's. Yeah. They're it just is. crushing it as they always do. But like from the minute the guys got off the bus, I know. that's all I've been able to see on on Instagram and Twitter um, is the PLL content. And man, are they crushing it! And they're good. And make me. It's like I'm almost Salivating. glad that the NLL isn't happening at the same time right now because the NLL would be getting very overshadowed. So if these two teams hopefully work together to to separate their their seasons and their training camp, so there's not this overshadowness because they are just killing it this yeah week. yeah good stuff there out of the pll and, and it's unfortunate that there's a bunch of canucks that that can't make their way down and uh play in the league just because of border restrictions and stuff right now so we're getting closer to that opening back up as well which would be super exciting like i can't wait like i never i don't know man like not crossing the border didn't seem like a big deal and now like i'm i'm ready to leave the country <laughs> you know what i'm saying there like i i want to go somewhere 
Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for I'm ready for a vacation. I'm ready to just go get some cheap gas and cheap beer. There you go. Twenty minute drive from my place. A little so. Trader Joe's, That's maybe. Uh, yeah. Down to Bellis Fair or something. Anyways, Brad, that was uh, the big focus. We're going to Vegas, and now we're going lacrosse the nation next in quarter two as we head for Denver, Colorado to catch up with none other than Matt Brown. Stick around. You got it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Paul Del Monte, Commissioner of the WLA. You're listening to Lax Class with Jake and Brad, your go-to source for all things NLL and WLA. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into the second quarter here on episode 134. Jake Kelly, Brad Challoner with you, and always with us is Associated Labels and Packaging at AssociatedLP.com, focusing on people, ethics, quality. And, of course, family-owned down there in Coquitlam over 40 years. The best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. Everybody needs a label or a package at some point in their life. Check out AssociatedLP.com to help out our sponsors, help out this podcast. As uh, we're into the second quarter, Brad, and uh, you know what comes up here. I think we got to make our way out to the tarmac and, and get in the jet. You ready to go? Let's load it up. Lacrosse. Lacrosse the nation. What makes a lacrosse hotbed a lacrosse hotbed? This time we are flying back down south to the States, our second American lacrosse hotbed. That's Denver, Colorado. And a guy who knows that city better than most is actually from our neck of the woods, from Burnaby, B.C., Matt Brown was a player at Denver University. He's now the associate head coach at Denver University. Played with the Colorado Mammoth as well. No one knows well, Denver Ravens across. back in the day too, Brad. Don't forget that. We'll bounce around, bounce around a little bit. Uh, Matt Brown back on the podcast on the Cross Class by Brownie. How you doing? Good guys. Great to great to be with you. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Coincidence or not, but like you arrive at Denver University right around the same time that, or maybe a year before the Mammoth get to town. So I think when Matt Brown arrives in Denver, the NLL arrives in Denver, DU takes off. It's all kind of kind of coming together at the same time. Um, You're solely responsible, Matt. Solely responsible to, to creating Denver Hotbed. But I think it had to do with uh, a little bit more of another Burnaby guy, Steve Govett, bringing the team you know, from Washington out out to the Rocky Mountains. And uh, you're right, it just so happened that was my freshman year when the Mammoth arrived. And uh, I remember sneaking into the Blue Sky Grill, you know, after watching the after watching the games. But uh, that was the start of, of what has turned out to be, uh, you know, an amazing ride here for, for Colorado lacrosse. You don't want your players sneaking into the to the Blue Sky Grill, though, Brownie. Uh, what, now, tell me about that. How did you end up down in Denver? Was it Jamie Monroe that was at Denver recruiting you? Or, or how did, like, because I look at Denver and it's like, now it's a destination for a lot of guys. But when you went to Denver, like, it was just starting to get on the map as a Div 1 program. Tell me, tell me how that all happened. 
Yeah, it was Jamie, Jake. And, um, you know, it just just happened where you know, I grew up in Burnaby, British Columbia, played for the Burnaby Lakers, uh, you know, worked a little bit of a landscaping job, you know, with my dad in the summertime or working for the city of Burnaby during the summer months. And uh, during the wintertime, my senior year and at St. Thomas More, I was uh, stocking shelves on Wednesdays and Sundays at the local Safeway at Kensington Plaza. And I'll never forget uh, working the graveyard shift and coming home one day and saying, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. And, uh, my dad said, well, what are you going to do about it? And so I knew nothing about college lacrosse. Uh, I knew that Paul and Gary went to Syracuse and those two guys were my idols, you know, getting the chance to watch the Shamrocks play the Adnacks at, at Adnac arena on Saturday nights was kind of the highlight of my week in the summer months. And so, you know, I decided to, uh, draft an email out and sent it out to every single lacrosse program I could find south of the border um you know funny story is i sent i sent the letter even to some programs that only had women's teams and i i knew nothing <laughs> knew nothing i knew nothing about college lacrosse down south um but i was fortunate enough to get a phone call 40 minutes later from sending out those emails from jamie monroe uh two weeks later after that he flew up to see me play a week after that i came down for an official visit and uh you know, I was uh, packing my bags that, that uh, upcoming fall um, to go to the University of Denver and uh, best decision I've, I've ever made. And what was the box lacrosse scene like in Denver at that time before the Mammoth? Like non-existent or, you know, how much how much indoor was being played at that time? There, you know, Brad, there really was there was nothing. Um, lacrosse in general was, you know, very new to, to, to the city and, um, you know, Got down to the University of Denver, as I mentioned, when my freshman year, the Mammoth showed up. And, uh, you know, the Mammoth did a great job of not just exposing the game or marketing it to the lacrosse fan, because there was very few of them. But they, they really made it a show, and, and they turned it into entertainment. And uh, it was the best entertainment for your buck in town. And so the the, the Mammoth came and, and launched this thing and, and really spearheaded this this whole movement of lacrosse, along with the University of Denver, along with, you know, the, the Denver Outlaws and, the, and the, the pro field side of things, and then along with the extension with uh, Bill Tierney coming to town. You know, all those three things kind of projected this thing. But as far as box lacrosse goes, there, there, there was nothing. There was nothing in, in, in the town. But you could sense that being a sports town, being a place that – you know, is really active and people love to be outdoors and people love to, kids love to play. You know, you, you knew that it was just a, a matter of time before before it would blow up and, and that it did. Speaking with Matt Brown, Denver University, and, and Matt, obviously the box game was a big influence on, on your playing career and, and playing college lacrosse. And you're highly regarded as one of the, the best offensive minds in the field game. And I would think a lot of box lacrosse creeps its way into your field lacrosse offensive system. How much of that are, are you teaching guys, not only in field lacrosse, but do you ever have like box specific practices where you work on just box skills? Yeah. You know, Jake, that's, that's a great point. And obviously being a box guy, that was a, that's a big, that's a big part of, uh, that's a big part of how we play. And, you know, we've been really fortunate enough to, to have some great Canadians, uh, you know, Wesley Berg, who helped us win our, our national championship in 2015. Tyler Pace, another Western guy who came down and had a great career for us. Mark Matthews, who was before Wesley, who, um, you know, kind of put us on the map. But, you know, those guys brought their skill sets and their IQ and their, 
their lacrosse, you know, talents to, to us, you know, based built in, in the box. And so, um, we try to do that. Um, you know, in the Fridays in the fall, we'll, we'll go out to, a to a rink about 10 minutes away and, and we'll, we'll run them through, you know, a complete kind of, you know, junior A NLL style practice. And then we'll scrimmage for, for 45 minutes. Um, we had an opening, uh, a defensive coordinator opening here about a year and a half ago. And, we didn't go too far, you know, uh, Johnny Gallant, who played in the NLL for 15 years and was the captain of the Colorado Mammoth. He was coaching at Rock Canyon High School and was doing a lot of youth box across with, with, my, with myself. And so I knew, you know, the second we had that job opening that he was the guy that we wanted to bring in just because of his experience around the game, you know, having that box background you know, and, and, and really having a champion's mindset. So, you know, we, we try to play as much box as we possibly can. Uh, we're looking to continue to do more of it. Um, you know, we're, we're excited about, you know, this, the, the whole college scene here in the United States, which I'm sure we can talk about, but we've had some players, you know, from our team, you know, join the, the Colorado Collegiate Box Across League, which is part of the, part of the National Box Across Series. And, uh, you know, it's just going to continue to grow. And I think with the expansion of the NLL, uh, and, the, and the growth there, uh, you're going to con- con- you know you're going to see more Canadians down in the states, and you're going to see more Americans playing the game as well. I was going to say, I'd, uh, it's checking my junk folder looking for a defensive coordinator email for for Denver University. I didn't, uh, didn't see anything in there though. Johnny Gallant, big Johnny. What about the what about the city in general, Matt? Like, there's a lot of Canadians. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's been a few, like Dylan Ward, your, yourself, um, guys who have made Denver their home and sort of fall in love with it, and then have to return to coaching and give them back to the game. But Junior. you know, what did what did you fall in love with about Denver that said, you know what, I want to make, I want to put some some roots down here and and make this my home? No, the people are fantastic. You know, gr- growing up in Burnaby, you know, there's there's no better city during the summer uh, than Vancouver, British Columbia. The, the winners, on the other hand, you know, they're, they're, they're you, as you guys know, they're a little different. They're a little wet. But, um, you know, Colorado, the, the weather's fantastic. You know, you get 300 days of, plus of sunshine. You know, you got the mountains, you know, 45 minutes away. It's a sports town. Uh, it's very, you know, youthful and vibrant. And, uh, you know, and so all of those things put together along with this kind of uh, new sport. You know, lacrosse was new, as I mentioned. And it was on the verge of, of, of erupting. Um, those were, you know, some of the main reasons why, you know, I wanted to, to plant my roots here. The, the real reason was because I met my wife my senior year of college. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> she was letting me go, go back. And, and, and I'll never forget this call. I got drafted to the WLA by the, by the Berards. And I remember having to call Fridgey and telling him I wasn't coming back up for the summer to play. And, uh, <laughs> So that, my last well, we game. We just had Fridgey on last week, so that works out nicely. Yeah, good. So it's, uh, but the, but for all those reasons, you know, but most importantly, being my wife and her family being here, it's just it's just a great great town, great city to live in. Speaking with Coach Matt Brown here of Denver, Colorado, and and man, like I always say, like I've I've been around to just about every city in the NLL, and Denver by far is is uh, my favorite. I'm trying to think of the Italian restaurant that we always Maggiano's. Is that is that? Mm-hmm. My goodness, uh, just makes me hungry thinking about it. Is there speaking of hungry? Has there ever been a desire for you? I know you can't with with the college gig, Matt. But like, do you do you have a desire to coach box across at a high level? You know, I, I think that uh, you know I've always thought about that. I think um, you know box across is 
is really my love and my passion. And, and it's why we, we started this whole youth box across here in Denver uh, and, and then kind of expanded across the, the United States with, with the U.S. Box LA. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, maybe down the road, um, you know, I think we've got a lot to do still here at the University of Denver. Um, you know, obviously winning our first championship, you know, was a, a huge step there. But, you know, we, we've got to do it again and we've got to establish ourselves as, uh, you know, one of the top programs here in the, in the history of the sport. At least that's our goal. And so, um, but the box game is, uh, that, that's a dream and, and it will continue to be a dream. And, uh, but I wouldn't say no. You know, I think, I think maybe down the road it's, it's definitely an op- uh, possibility. Vegas is nice year-round too, just, uh, just saying. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah the colorado collegiate box league fired up uh in 2017 you mentioned you've got some some du players that are that are playing there to to, to hone up their box skills and and get into the tighter confines um you know how much has that league done for the growth of of indoor lacrosse in the area and you're seeing an uptick in um has there been an uptick in in players signing up to play in that league lately yeah, it's definitely helped us out, you know, a, a tremendous amount. You know, we get a lot of local kids, a lot of guys that are able to stay in town for the summer months and train at the university with our strength and conditioning staff and then, you know, play during the week. I think they play, you know, on Sundays and Wednesdays and then there's one practice during, during the week. But, you know, there's, there's really no type of training like playing junior A lacrosse. You know, and, and that battle, that, that gauntlet that you go through and then getting to the playoffs and playing in a Minto Cup, you know, best out of seven series, you know, it, it's, you know, I've, I've played at a lot of different levels and, and that's, that's been the ultimate. And, um, you know, and so I think starting to move that direction for box across for that age of kid here in the United States is, is huge. It's huge for us college coaches who can see our guys start to train now professionally, start to train like the NHL, the future NHL prospect, you know, and take this thing, you know, extremely, you know, serious because there is an end goal now in sight with the NLL and what they're doing. This movement is, it's happening and it's for real. And this thing is, is going to blow up and it's just a matter of time. And so to see what, what's happened here in Colorado and now there's a college league in Ohio and now there's one in upstate and there's one in Connecticut and there's two teams out in California and to see this thing, you know, really start to, to explode is, is exciting. It's exciting for the development uh, of the players, but it's, it's really exciting for the growth of the game. Yeah, no, we had Dan Carey on a few weeks ago talking about the upstate league and of course, Ohio. And, and we love talking to coach Myers about his box influence as well. And, and what he does down there, but give me the give me the lowdown here. Like I know all these teams are going to meet for like a year end championship, but like where do, where does it? What age group does it start for these kids? How far can they go with it? And you know, like where how, schedule? How many games do they play in? Give me all the details on on what this league is all about for these guys. It's virtually the same setup as a as a junior A league in Canada. It's for kids that have just graduated high school. Uh, and they, they have the ability to play uh, for four or five years until the summer after, the, after they graduate from, from college. Um, and, and the seasons are, you know, I think they're 12-game seasons where there's uh, two games a week uh, and there's a one practice a week. And so it, 
it's over a course of a month and a half. And then, um, you know, where, where, where I come into play and where we come into play is, you know, we run our U.S. Box LA Nationals. It's a, it's a youth championship, and we've been doing this now for eight years out in California, and we've kind of bounced around between uh, Southern Cal and, um, Huntington, and yeah. San Jose area. This year we're, we're, we're hosting it uh, back up in San Jose, and we'll, have, we'll probably have over 130 youth teams. Wow. And, uh, and it's a complete festival of lacrosse. It, it's, it's an amazing experience. We're now starting to see some Canadian teams come down uh, just because of, you know, really the fun factor. You know, it's a carnival, and, and the games are exciting. We, we, we kind of play more NLL uh, rules and so there's crease dives we've got the shootouts if there's a tie you know we do the all-star games um, and so it's it's a it's a carnival setting and, and now what has happened is we've incorporated this national collegiate box series into it where the winner of each of the four, five states will compete in kind of a founders cup uh, tournament uh, over the course of, nice. of three or four days so it, there's there's a lot of exciting things there um, and it's great for the young kids that they get exposure to it at such a, at such an early age. It's something for them to look forward to as they as they grow with the box game. Do you see a day at the junior A level where that league champion might uh, be able to cross the border and, and compete for against our junior A champions from from east to west? You know, I, I see a day where uh, there there'll be some you know exhibitions or friendlies you know to start off with. Um, I'm not quite sure that these college teams are at that level of, say, a... Uh, not yet, you know, Brett, Matt, Matt, though, right? But, like, that's the end goal. That's the end goal. You know, I think, I think, you know, I think the end goal as far as growing the box game is... is and, and I think if you ask the NLL, and this is where the leadership really comes from, is, you know, the NLL is pushing for all of this. You know, they, they want to see this happen. They want to see, see it grow. And, um, you know, I think what we're doing at the youth level is... We're creating, you know, hopefully um, future NLL players, you know, at, at the youth levels. But maybe even more importantly, you know, we're creating future NLL fans, yeah. and, and that is uh, that's really important when you when you want to try to grow the box game. And I would imagine, like, you got five states now. You're looking to get more states start up, <clears throat> excuse me, start up leagues and and kind of join this circuit. And Brent, one thing that Brad and I always kind of bring up as far as box lacrosse and USA goes. What kind of separates them from from competing, really competing for the gold medal, is is a bona fide goaltending star. And I said, it's going to take time for a young kid that's starting out in youth lacrosse somewhere, making his way up through these box leagues, the collegiate box, for him to develop into that. You can't just take a guy that's 20 years old and put him in between the pipes and expect him to play at a world-class level. He needs to develop from a young, young age, like a Dylan Ward or a Del Bianco or whoever it is. Do you see that guy coming through the pipeline somewhere, Matt? Do we, do we know who the next great goalie is going to be for team USA? Well, we had a huge win this past year in the NLL draft. We had a young man by the name of Skyler winery who, uh, Moose. Yes. Moose. Yeah. Yeah, you've probably heard of him. He's been up on U.S. Box LA national teams, and he's done the tour up there. And uh, so he played with our Denver Elite program. So Johnny Gallant and myself have coached him and Jamie Shuchuk. Um, the three of us have coached him since, uh, man, he was 10 years old. Yeah. And, you know, he is a true box lacrosse goalie. You know, he plays field goalie. 
but he just he just does that you know for for fun his dream has always been to play in the NLL and it was such a proud moment for for us when we saw his his name uh you know get signed uh you know as as kind of a free agent there with with Steve Govett you know uh you know bringing him into the Seals organization and uh you know, is he the next great one? You know, I like to think he is, but I, but I know what he has definitely done is, especially here in Colorado, is he has created somebody for the younger kids below him to look up to. Yeah. And, and I think just like I went to the rink and I looked at Paul and Gary on Saturday nights at Adnac Arena, you know, just like that, you need that here locally. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the College League does you know, it's during the summer months, it's Sunday nights, it's Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, the few that I've been to and attended, you know, it's just, it's, it's swarmed with kids and their sticks in their hands and they're going on the floor during uh, the, the quarter breaks and they're throwing the ball on the wall. And awesome. you know, if, if you've been to Six Nations or you've been to Orangeville or you, yeah. wherever you've been, that, that's what it's all about. Love it. Bradley, you good? Yeah, the one question I'm asking everybody on um, on this segment, Matt, just to sort of get people's pitch heads wrapped around, you know, what makes a hotbed a hotbed, it's it's seeing sticks in hands and seeing those kids at the game. So I'm always asking if you're driving through you know, the suburbs of Denver on a on a Thursday night in the summertime, how likely are Highlands you Highlands Ranch or Cherry Grove or something. Cruising through Highlands Ranch, nice nice reference there. How likely are you to see someone walking on the street with a stick or, or playing wall ball or being out there with a friend playing catch? Uh, it's, it's really likely. I, what I would say is, uh, it would be rare if you didn't see a lacrosse goal in somebody's backyard. And, uh, you know, this, this place is just blowing up. You know, I can say for us at the university, you know, we, we sell out every single home game. Obviously this past year was, was different with the pandemic, but we ended up having, uh, you know, over a thousand fans at, at our first round NCAA tournament game. But the, the best part about that is as the team's walking on the field and you're you're getting ready to take Peter Barton's you know walk out on Peter Barton Stadium is you see all these kids with their sticks in their hands and they're giving you a high five and and it's just a testament to to everybody's hard work here and, and everybody's love of the game. There's been so many people in this great city that have uh, made a difference and uh, continue to do so. So uh, without question, this is a hotbed of lacrosse here. Uh, in the U.S. And, and, I, and I think we're just scratching the surface. I think uh, we're going to continue to grow, um, you know, year by year. As do I, Matt. And dare I, I use the pun, I think you've been a real pioneer in that regard, uh, getting box lacrosse and, and lacrosse in general really fired up in Denver. And uh, you've had a big hand in that, man. And, and I want to say thank you for that. I really appreciate it. We always Love talking to college coaches. You're one of our favorites to have here on the podcast, and uh, we appreciate your time here. And keep up the good work down there in Denver, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for everything you do, and um, you know, thanks for uh, for being the fan of the pioneers. Hey, no problem. And and listen, uh, border gets open in time, and and San Jose uh, is looking for a couple of announcers. We know where to go. You got it. All right. Keep that shoe check in line as well. <laughs> Hard to do. I Hard know. to. Do. I know. Thanks, Matt. See you guys. Thanks. There he is, Matt Brown, Brad Chellner, and man, like, uh, like I asked him about coaching box across. Like, I think if he stepped down from Denver University, he would instantly be 
at the top of the list for a head coach in the National Cross League. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, and, but guys don't step away. Like, no, that like a big, not big that job. Asked him, no, but no. like, yeah, not when you're and he, he's next. I don't know if you just said this. Uh, he's next in line to be the head coach oh, at Denver University yeah, 100%. or or wherever he might want to go after this tenure underneath Bill. If Aaron, he wanted to go by now, he would have went. He's not going yeah, anywhere. And, no, and he could get a job at any. NCAA Div One University in the nation, take take your pick. And like we've talked about all the time, yeah, I'd love to see Nick Myers and Petro, you know, behind NLL benches. But those guys, um, they day. do quite well. They get paid really well, and it's a, it's a, it's a full. It's more than a full time job oh, to be God. a college. They run not hot, doing those that. guys, man. Twenty four yeah, seven not, lacrosse. You got to know every junior player coming out of Canada, every junior player coming out of the U.S. You got to recruit. You've got to be training and staying on your guys and coaching and it, it does not stop. But yeah, I think it would be awesome to see him in the national lacrosse league. I just don't know how likely that's going to be anytime, anytime no, soon. Probably not Brad. Uh, but that was an absolute uh, stallion of an interview right there, Brad. And, and uh, we thank Matt Brown for his time and we thank Stampede Tack and Western wear for sponsoring lacrosse, the nation. Tell us why are you not prepared? You're not prepared, are you, Brad? Let me dig up. Let me dig up my. Uh, let me dig up my my bullet points How here. About... I'm always prepared to talk about Stampede and Western Wear out there at the corner of 180th and Highway 10 Jumbo. They keep us safe. They keep us protected when the weather gets nicer. You know, we're going to be allowed on more patios and more events soon. There's going to be 50 pre- people outdoors at concerts coming up here in the Lower Mainland in BC and. You've got to look good, and you're going to do that in a cowboy hat. You're going to do that in your jeans. You're going to do that in your boots. You're going to do it all at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Stampede.ca is where you can visit them online if you don't live around here because shopping online is still lost shopping local. And if you are around here in the lower mainland, visit them in Cloverdale since 1966 at the corner of 180th and highway cowboy boots work boots blindstones they got uh, out there and i know brad you're you're getting ready for your camping trip you're getting out there for a cowboy hat as well thanks to stampede tack and western where break time is uh it's halftime here on lax class we're moving into the second half third quarter action coming up quick sticks are next on lax class Hey, this is Eric Penny, goaltender for the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the second half we go. Third quarter action is underway. Jake Kelly, Brad Schellner with you. And also with us are the Vancouver Warriors right here on Lax Class. We are their favorite podcast, by the way, Brad. And just checking in with GM Dan Richardson before we, we hit the record button, asking if any Warrior signings are coming down the pipe. And I think they are, but not quite in time for recording time here. But stay tuned to the NLL Warriors social channels, at NLL Warriors, Twitter and Instagram, and of course, VancouverWarriors.com, where nothing's offside. And I know uh, some, some guys close to putting pen to paper here. Tyrell Hammer Jackson out there killing it again on Instagram and, and TikTok this week. So he's in his five pound, his five. He's on a tugboat with his five pound spiked boots on, um, playing wall ball off a passing vessel. 
that is going by like just insane footage from it's Tyrell Hammer Jackson. And you know what? And he's in great shape right now. He's he's killing it on the cron camp, but like I'm excited to see what he can do at camp and and win some possessions and and I'll tell you this, like, I don't know like, too many I think, guys. I think this guy's ready. Like, he's taking it really seriously. He's got great mentorship, a great guys, a great group of guys that he's working with. Like, this is going to be the real deal. Well, I'm telling you, like, I don't know too many guys that are outworking the hammer. Like, he may not be the, the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the most skilled, all the rest of it, but nobody is outworking that kid. And, and take, that's exactly what you want in your job That'll take you a long You're way, a man. You're a face-off guy yeah. in the National Lacrosse League. So, uh, yeah, good job on, on, on the content, Hammer. Keep it up and stay tuned for, for Warrior signings because I know they're coming. And I, and I figure we're going to have a lot of signings coming in the coming weeks here. That's a lot of the word coming. But I figure we'll get the signings out of the way off the top on Quick Sticks each week, and then we'll, we'll move into the other stuff. So I'm going to rip through these. Are you good with that, Bradley? I'm good with that. Like, it, it's, it's teams right now just signing their own um RFAs and UFAs so there's not going to be a ton of reaction yeah, free here, agency, kind of surprises couple months like away, if there's though. anything of anything of note we'll you know stop down and we can chew on that for a little bit but this is a pretty pretty standard list and guys that are just going to be locked up a little bit longer term with their with their home clubs right now here we go Charlie Kitchen 3 this is Albany Firewall I'm going alphabetically so no bias here either Albany Firewalls Charlie Kitchen 3 years Watkinson and O'Connor get a year each the Bandits Josh Byrne 3 years Chase Fraser 1 year Calgary, you got Reese Blake, you got Dodds, you got King, who get two years. Tyler Burton gets one year. I told you I'm going to rip through these. Nothing for Colorado. Georgia was a busy team. Eddie, Hrushka, Hudson, two years. Gillis, Henrik, Coot, Walker, Firth, Buck, Silva, two years. And Lemke, am I saying that right? Lemke, one year for him. Nothing for Halifax, nothing for the Riptide, nothing for the Wings, nothing for Panther City. Rochester, Caputo signs for one year. Saskatchewan Church gets two. San Diego, Cam Holding, Maya, two years. Sykes, Bolisteri, Gobrick, Graydon Bradley all get a year. And Latrell Harris signs for one year in Toronto. And I mentioned nothing down the pipe for Vancouver yet. I think the biggest thing of note on that list, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're a little bit closer to Saskatchewan than mm. I am, but I think Church was supposed to be a like he's 30 now. Like I think Churchy might have been a UFA, mm-hmm. um, but nice to see him not hitting the market, following in Mark Matthews' footsteps last week and sticking in Saskatchewan. Well, like that, I mean, why would again, you a lot go of people anywhere? thought a lot of UFAs would be flooding out of Sask, but like yeah, exactly. Why if you want to win? Why are you going anywhere? <laughs> you got the mailman throwing you passes on the power play. Probably going to get a few points. And uh, no franchise tag there on Matthews. No franchise tag on Church. I don't know if he's eligible for that. He's got to be close. But uh, so still the Rush have that little key piece to use on, on somebody as well. So we'll keep you up to date on signings every week. Uh, let's get into some more quick sticks here. Speaking of Albany, they got a vaccine program going there in the Empire City, and uh, tickets, free tickets if you get vaccinated in in the capital region. Like again, I, I just look at Albany, and and they've announced their their play by play voice as well, Dan Ball, not the Dan Ball that used to to play in the league, different Ball, B A H L, as the new play by play. They're gonna have a weekly radio show on ESPN Radio as well. Free tickets out to get vaccinated, like. They just keep hitting the ball 
up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. I'm loving what the Firewolves are doing on the rollout of their franchise here. Are you with me? Oh, I was on mute for a second. Okay. I figured a, a year on Zoom, I would have figured this out by now. But no, Derek, Derek Jeter-like consistency. You're right. And it's something every single week, we have a quick stick about the Albany Firewolves because they are doing something that's that's making headlines, you know? And no, we had there's been a lot of teams that we haven't talked about in the last mm-hmm. in the last couple of months. But Albany, yeah, they've they've got to make some some inroads in that market and they're doing it the absolutely right way. So well done there. Uh, I learned something new this week, Brad. Zed Williams is actually his his full name, Zedekiah. And I might I might run with that, Brad. Like I know everybody Zed and Zeddy and all the rest. I might Zedekiah, I'm, I might go with it. I might drop that in for the odd goal call here and there. You know, it might not be every time he touches the ball, but if it's like a hat trick goal, it would be a nice way to uh, to send him off and good for the highlight reels. One of my favorite I names, think. Zedekiah. Love it. Uh, okay, BC Junior A lacrosse update here. Just kind of checking in with a couple of people, and we're still a little unsure about Victoria and Nanaimo and what the travel restrictions are going to be. For them over on the island, but it's looking like the mainland is gonna play here, Brad. I would just I would suspect maybe like a mid to late July start, probably like a five, six, you know, ten game season, something like that, a, a playoff. And then who knows, Alberta kind of doing the same thing as well. And and maybe those teams meet in the middle in like late August and have a little western championship. So it looks like BC and Alberta are going to play some lacrosse, and, and we just kind of have to wait and see how many games and, and whether these two provinces are going to be able to hook up later on in the summer as we, we roll along. But, man, this is positive news. Like, WA and MSL have pulled the plug, but junior lacrosse looks like it's going to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely all eyes are going to be on junior lacrosse. And with the Nanaimo and Victoria teams, it's not – Travel restrictions, I think, will be fine by then. It's we can the now money. we can go outside of our jurisdictions after after June fourteenth in the Lower Mainland. But it's the money, yeah. It, it costs a lot of money to put thirty kids on a on a bus and then on a ferry Feed to get them to the mainland and, all the rest of it, yeah. and play a game. No so fans, hopefully, right? Victoria, so. maybe yeah, exactly. So there's no revenue coming in, but hopefully Victoria and Nanaimo together can can figure something out where they can maybe have a like a like imagine a, I would pay to watch a Victoria and Nanaimo best of seven sort of heated rivalry in the middle middle of summer like that would be a cool series to watch that would get eyeballs that would get people talking those are two really good junior a lacrosse teams too right now so Absolutely. i would sign me up for that no doubt about it uh, so stay tuned for that more junior lacrosse news here the tll they're expected to launch their season what was it brad august 12th something like that uh, they held their Opening draft, opening round, Alex Simmons goes number one, Kyle Waters number two, Van Sheppen number three, and McConvey goes number four. You can check out the TLL socials if you want to recap that entire draft. Uh, but back and forth they go over there in Ontario, and and Brad, like before we get to Ontario Junior A Lacrosse and, and what's happening there, still a few more quick sticks to go, including uh, D3 Championship going down today, actually, as we record on Sunday, and the Tigers in double overtime. Uh, Whippy boy with the double over T winner, but our, our local boy here, Larson Sundown, uh, part of that RIT program, and the Tigers win their first D3 championship in thrilling fashion, 15-14, double OT. Congrats to Sundown and the Tigers. 
And the reason that storyline is so special is that RIT might pump out more National Lacrosse League players than than any school right now. Yeah. Like I, I put them up against anybody when you look through rosters in the National Lacrosse League and guys that have come through RIT past, present, and and future guys that are going to be entering the league very soon. Um, Patrick Shume, who's going to be a very high high draft pick, mm-hmm. um, and then guys from recent years. I'm not going to name all of them, but there's there's a shit ton of RIT guys <laughs> yes. in the National Lacrosse League. It has been for a long time, so it's nice to see them get over the hump and and someone knock off Salisbury like haven't they won like oh six in a row or yeah, something they've, ridiculous they've so. been a wagon for sure uh no yeah. question about that I got Dawson prank call down in here Brad you probably like or well, what the hell are you talking about Dawson prank call well I went and played a little disc golf this morning as I often do on Sunday mornings and I play with a guy named Dan who I have in my phone is Dan disc golf uh, so it was bright sun and and Dan hadn't arrived to the park yet I was wondering where he was so I gave Dan a call and Dan answered, and actually sound the boat dance, they sound very similar. So I'm going, Dan, like, where are you? You coming to the park to play doubles? Like, what's happening? He's like, doubles? What Should I know what you're talking about right now, Jumbo? I feel like you're pranking me. And I said, I, I, I'm like, what are you talking Are you coming to play doubles? <laughs> he goes, Jumbo. I goes, he goes, I really don't. I really don't know what you're you, you you lost him. You lost so him. I look at my phone and I realize it's the dangerous one and not Dan Disc Golf. I missed him by a you know, by a line on my phone. But he couldn't don't, have been don't, uh, don't waste the time <laughs> no, of dangerous Dan No, Austin. he answered I said, Dan, I said, I appreciate you like, you know, first of all, answering my call when Taking I, the call. He could not have been nicer. Like he was like, Oh, well now that I got you, Joe, how you doing? Like, how are things? And I'm like, I'm doing great, Dan. Like I you know, I don't want to take up your time sort of thing. And so it wasn't quite the the Brad Cree text where I thought I was texting Danny. It was like good morning, baby. <laughs> This is actually Brad Creed. Better nickname, though. Better nickname, Dangerous Dan Dawson or Danny Disc Golf. Yeah. That's a pretty sick moniker, too. Not bad. In the phone not there. bad. So, yeah, not as bad as the, the Brad Cree situation, but uh, still a little embarrassing. Appreciate you being so uh, cordial, Dan Dawson. On, I wouldn't on, expect anything else from me, Dan. Either would I. A couple more here. 30 NLL 35 moments. Got to get this in every single week as we go back to 2012, Brad. I was actually with the Minnesota Swarm at the time, but uh, over there in Toronto, one Garrett Billings, uh, the pride of the township of Langley, was in on 58% of Toronto's goals in time. <laughs> so stupid. He was I on... thought that was a typo no. when I saw it. Like, how is that even possible? And they were, they were a good team. It's not like he was in 58% and they were in a doghouse. Yeah. Like, they were coming off the championship the year before. So Billings in on 58% of Toronto's entire goals. Sets the league record for 82 assists in that year. On the flip side, I actually got to call the record-breaking point in Minnesota for this one as Johnny Grant Jr., Gets 116 points, including 50 goals. And I think he missed two games in this season, Brad. I think he did that in 14 games as he breaks the record in 2012. It's been broken since. But that was, seriously, that was one of the the biggest highlights of my career, getting to call a record-breaking moment for John Grant Jr. in Minnesota. Yeah, that was a pretty special. I'm trying to look up the, because I called a game that year too, and he was in, he came to Washington 
Um, Didn't he go pointless? And that was a record, wasn't it? Like he he got shut down for no points. Yeah, and well, broke the streak. To, I'm trying to refresh. I'm trying to refresh my memory to get up the point streak or bringing up the stats. But yeah, there was. I think it broke uh, a streak of like almost a hundred games with a it point. It was it was the it was the only game. Uh, it was the only game that he didn't score it. Yeah, he was held scoreless there in that go. game, yeah, but still went on to set the points record that season and do everything else that he did. But um, yeah, that was a phenomenal. But back back to Billings, like there was a time there. There's the about a three, four, five year stretch where he was best in class, like maybe yeah. the best in the world. The first player to have three straight hundred point seasons in a sixteen game schedule season back then. And, you know, you called Mark Matthews the mailman, but Garrett Billings might be the best feeder mm. I've ever seen. Postman. And just how, how silky smooth how silky smooth he was and what Milkman. a special time that was for Garrett getting... Billings. And if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for a guy named John Grant Jr. that season, GB would have been an MVP in the rest of the history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cracked sternum. I think Richie Morgan broke Junior's sternum that season, and that's why he missed two games with a broken chest. Oh, God. <laughs> And still put up 116 points. Uh, what do we got left here? I think, uh, well, I think I'm going to leave the OJs for the last thing here. So let's uh, let's make sure we get this in. The Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame announcing their inductees for 2021, Brad. And what a class it is. A couple of guys I'm a I'm little unfamiliar with in Chuck Lai and Pierre Fillion. But the other guys that are going in here, including Lyle Robinson, I coach his son, uh, Sean, and Lyle was just an amazing player for the Salmon Bellies. A real like defensive stud, but could play offense as well. A couple man cups there for Lyle. Minto Cup as well, I believe. Whipper Watson, I can't believe he's not in yet, but he's going in this year. So congrats to Bobby Watson. Uh, and Steve Govett, of course, president of the San Diego Seals, World Lacrosse, uh, He's going into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. I think Steve will go into the NLL Hall of Fame one day as well. But you know, I gave Steve a text over the weekend, just saying, you know, like congratulations on on being inducted. And and his first reply was like, yeah, I'm only as good as the people around me. And like I was like, yeah, Steve, you know what? That that's true. You're only as good as the people around you. But man. The way he has pushed our sport forward and the passion that he has done it with. And, and sometimes, like, he'll rub people the wrong way with his ideas and his brashness. And that's okay. But the amount of good that Steve has done for this game at so many different levels, the NLL, Canadian, uh, our national team, and now world lacrosse as well. The legacy that he'll leave behind, like, is Hall of Fame worthy, no question about it. And I'm really happy to see Steve Cover go in. Yeah, forward, forward thinking and and inventive, and you know what? But but a leader, and you, you can surround yourself with good people, but you still have to have the foresight yeah. to hire those people and then allow them the freedom to 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 do what they do best. But but there's still a guy behind that that has to put those pieces of the puzzle in place, and that's still like a mastermind sort of job too. So take, I'll give him credit for doing that. Yeah, you can you can put people and surround yourself with people, but you know you bring those people in. Put those people in place and trust them to do their job. That is leadership. That is leading men. That is building organizations. And that's what he's done so well in on the world stage and in Denver, like we talked about with Matt Brown and uh, and what he's doing right now in San Diego and beyond. It's it's special and it'll leave 
uh, a legacy forever for sure. Pretty good playing career as well. <laughs> I don't even know if that got mentioned, but uh, Team Canada and, and uh, great career in the NLL and, and Canadian summer as well. So congrats to Steve Govett. And the last guy, and, and I left uh, him for last because I consider him to, to be a lifelong friend and, and a former junior teammate, a former senior teammate as well. And a guy that I went down to Sonoma State University with uh, in California way back in the mid-90s, and that's the younger brother of one Kurt Malowski, as Derek Malowski is going into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame as well. And Derek actually finishing with more points than Kurt in just, like a lot more points than Kurt in just 10 more games than, than his brother played. A couple of man cups for Derek as well, led the league in scoring, uh, perennial first team all star as well, and and like I said, Derek he kind of faded off from the lacrosse scene once his playing career ended. Like I, I always kind of thought Derek could be a guy that stuck around for a long time and got into coaching or or something, but he's just kind of faded off, and and that's okay. A lot of guys do that, but he's getting recognized here as as there's going to be two Malowskis in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame now. As as Deke, my man, going in D Money. Yeah, that's pretty special to have two brothers that have left a legacy like that and both were, you know, equally as equally as talented and did what they did is is pretty is pretty special and but not unique to the game of lacrosse. There's a lot of sets of brothers that have that have both in the Hall of Fame together, both perennial all stars. Like that's just you come up playing with that next to that person. That's where you play backyard lacrosse with and 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 you come up, you know, competing with each other. Oh my God, do you, Brad? Like I can't even tell you the the box sessions at Smith Box. The two of these guys, Kurt and Derek, would have, uh, you know, rivals against each other. And I always said this, and I don't know, like whether it's a compliment to them both or maybe an insult to them both. I don't know, but I always said, if you put Kurt's heart and mind into Derek's body with his skill and talent. Or if you put Derek's skill and talent into Kurt's body with his heart and pat, you would have had the best lacrosse player you ever seen. Like Derek was wow. such a natural, gifted, talented player, and Kurt would just run through a wall for you. And and like the skill was there too, but Derek, I'd say had had more. And I just thought like, man, if you could ever combine the two of those guys together, look out. So. Congrats to all the the Hall of Fame nominees. That induction class will go into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame, I want to say late October, early November in New Westminster. More details to come on that. We'll keep you posted right here on Lax Class. Last one I have here, Brad, on Quick Sticks, and I know we're running deep here in quarter three, is the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League announcing that they have adopted nine rules. Paul Day, Derek Keenan, I can't remember who else is in on this. Um, Eddie Camo. Eddie Camo, leadership and group Ian Garrison. There you go. So a, a high-level ref as well. Recommending changes for the Ontario Junior A Lacrosse League. They're going to adopt about nine different NLL rules. It sounds like Alberta will as well, except for the wooden stick, just uh, due to costs and everything. BC is, is staying in their lane right now. They're sticking with Canadian lacrosse rules. But I... I think this is this is great on one hand, and I think it's not so great on another. And there was a Facebook post on, I want to say, lacrosse past, present, and future, or something like that, that kind of caught my attention and, and got me to, to get involved with this thread. And instead of kind of laying out all my... My thoughts on it freestyle here, I, I just kind of copied and pasted the thread. So you want to indulge me to read this? Because I, I just think it 
gets out the message that I want to get out. And I know like reading something on air is not particularly entertaining, but I think that's the best way to kind of get my point across here. You good with it? Go for it. Yep, go for it. One of the biggest hang-ups our game has is too many rule books. I understand a lot of people in this group and on this thread are longtime fans, players, coaches that have watched, quote, air, old school lacrosse. But imagine being a new fan or a new player or a ref or a broadcaster to the game of box lacrosse, then trying to understand rules from minor to junior to senior to BC to Ontario to the pro game to international lacrosse. The NLL has the best rule book for box lacrosse. That is indisputable. As a player, as a coach, as a broadcaster, I've probably seen more lacrosse than most. So trust me on this. It's the best our sport has to offer. They have a rules committee and a competition committee comprised of the some of the best minds in the game that revisit and analyze the rule book regularly. The game evolves and the rules need to evolve with it. The fact that it takes years for a rule to be changed at the CLA is completely ridiculous, and that needs to change desperately. The fact that nobody from any of these leagues has not proposed changes to the CLA yet, or still, is seriously concerning. I long to see a day where all leagues, governing bodies, and provinces can work together to do what's best for our game. I think it's great that the OJLL has taken the initiative to create change. I really do. But not collaborating with other junior leagues is just not right. Now, it's my understanding Alberta will also be adopting changes, but guess what? They're all not the same, and that's the goalie stick issue here. So instead of going forwards, we again go backwards with two more rule books that are only specific to those leagues, which makes it even more convoluted for everyone, especially those who are new to the game. And those are the people that we need the most. This is the wake-up call. It's not that difficult to all work together. Please stop doing what's best for you and start doing what's best for lacrosse. So this is where I come out on it, Brad. I think it's fantastic that the Ontario Junior A Lacrosse League is, is forcing change here, but the way that they are forcing it is not the right way to go about it. Nice editorial, by the way. Thank well, you. Uh, well said. I don't, I don't know where to go with this. Like, it's just, it's something that was beating a dead horse whenever we talk about this issue. Um, you know, I, I went, I waffled on this news this week because I, yeah, I, you sent me that rant and I was kind of thinking, oh, do I think the same way as Jumbo or what's the, what's the outcome here? But I, Ontario is doing it because no one else is going to do it. Or are TLA they doing not, it because the TLL is the doing TLA it is and they're budging. reacting? Is that why? Well, no, because I don't. I don't think. Well, it remains to be seen. I don't think a lot of players are going to be going over to the TLL, so I don't think they're they're fearing losing high caliber players. I think, yeah, they probably wanted to change the rule book for years. I don't know. You said that you think they they haven't presented anything. I don't know if that's that's true or not. And the CLA's dragging their heels and not doing it. So I kind of come. I think they're going to be out of the CLA. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that. The future of the Minto Cup is going to be covered in question marks and being in jeopardy. I think Ontario is kind of doing what is good for the game by putting this rule book in place. And I think they don't care if if they're going to have to step aside from the CLA and sort of go rogue. Um, that's the risk that they sound like they're willing to take right now. And Is that fair to the Alberta, players? Is that fair to the players to them put the Minto, them playing for the Minto Cup in jeopardy? Like, do you want to go play in Ontario if you know you can't play for the Minto Cup? 
man. Right? I don't know. I don't know if if the Minto Cup is going to be stuck in. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. They it's, have to try to take the Minto Cup away from the CLA again, you know, yeah. try to capture it. I just it think if they were going to. Because the way Ontario sees it, you know, be, they're going to say it's, well, it's not a real Minto Cup if it's just BC versus Alberta playing in it. Wow. And so they're saying, you know, we'll just go and create our own championship and these players will just go off to the NLL and that'll be like, that. I don't like, mind them trying to force the change, Brad, but why not pick up the phone and get Sean Agus and, and get Carl Christensen on the line? And I get, I get the fact that, you know, BC has eight teams. So you have to get eight people or at least five to agree on the changes. And the same thing with Alberta, you have to get the majority. There's a vote. So not only are you trying to get all the three provinces to agree, but you're getting the board of governors within those provinces to agree on the changes as well. And that's where the sticking point comes. I just don't understand why Mark Grimes wouldn't pick up the phone and say, Hey, this is what we want to do. Are you guys on board with it? Or are you not on board with it? At least extend the olive branch to say, Hey, like, do you want to, and then if all three provinces do it, the CLA doesn't really have a choice, right? But now one province is doing it. Maybe a second is doing it. The third one's not going to do it. And then where are you left? You go back to the CLA rules when it's time to play the Minto Cup. Problem is this year is there's not going to be a Minto Cup. And Ontario's not going to compete in it if there is. So I think they're going into this thing with the, the, the thinking, we're not playing for a Minto Cup this year, so we don't have to worry about switching rules at the end of the year at the most important time of the season. Let's just do it our way this year and see what happens in the future. So let's try. I know, and that's well, Alberta's calling it a trial as well, quote unquote. In their press release, it was referenced as a trial. So they're not saying like this is what we're going to be doing forever. This is what they're doing in an unprecedented summer after an unprecedented year. So it remains to be seen if they will go forward with that. You know, I, I kind of think like. I'm a BC guy and I have a lot of love and respect for the BC junior lacrosse league and the people involved with it. But I think they're the ones that are behind here too. dragging their heels, but then they don't want to be yeah, reactionary. There, and... There's a pretty good group. Like when it's Ed Camo and Paul day and Derek Keene and Ian Garrison put in this the recommendation changes are together, great, Brad, this is what we want. They cha- yeah. So BC should be jumping on board too. They should be. But and, they... and I don't know what playing it so safely by the CLA's standards, just so you can play for a mental cup to me. Like I, that that to me is yeah you want to create a mental cup but for the better of the game yeah. sort of fall in line right and then hopefully you can sur- secure the mental cup somewhere down the road but it's yeah, a, it's like, so convoluted man and listen on this facebook thread like a lot of the guys in there and there's probably some that listen to this podcast so i don't want to rail on them too hard but you know most of these guys in there that are against these changes are 60-plus years old that played lacrosse in the 70s with no face masks and wood sticks and small nets, and they don't want to change. They want the old game back. They want the three lines. They want the the woodies and the cross-checking and the fighting and the old-school lacks, and it's just like they're so stuck in the dark ages they yeah, cannot see the light. Never, some of that is never, ever coming back. If the National Lacrosse League is the way of the future, preparing players to best be ready for that league when they come of age is up the utmost importance. Oh, my God. It's and not it's... having that convolution. It's having people come to a Warriors game and then going home and playing that exact same rule book. Um, and it's not just a Junior A thing. I think it's This is my from, point, Brad. minor on up. It's not just about Junior Lacrosse, and it's not just about Canada. 
Our sport is continually seeing their minor registration numbers drop. You think bringing back wooden sticks is going to help that? We need no, Americans. We, we need more people across the entire planet playing our sport. And if they're too confused to figure out which rule book to use, guess what? They're going to move on to something else. My point was, you remember when a ball used to go out of play? They used to have a face-off after that, Brad, in box lacrosse. Remember? Do you want to go back to that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, mm-hmm. no, no. That was a good rule change. These new rule changes are bad. Well, I ask them, why is it a bad rule change? They have no answer for it. It's just because it's different and they don't like it. Get over yourself. It's not the way to push this sport forward. Brad, let's get to quarter four. That was a... Like, we're going big time here on 134. We still got our Stampede Stallion coming up. Quarter four, Lax Glass, back after this. Hey, this is Nick Rose, goaltender for the Toronto Rocks. You're listening to the Cross Classified. Fourth quarter time on Lax Class, and here's where we like to do our Stampede Tack Stallion of the Week. Before we do that, i got to let you know you can follow us on social media. Brad Chow is at Brad Chow. Brad Chowner is at Brad Chow. Two L's on Chow. My handle is PXP for Sports. Any social media platform you can think of, PXP for Sports is where you'll find me. Instagram, we're at Lacrosse Classified. Twitter, we're at Lax Class. Facebook page as well, and the email is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. I'm probably going to get a bunch from like those 60-plus-year-olds that are stuck in the dark ages about the old-school lacrosse. You know what people kept saying is that since the rule of offense-defense came in, it's ruined the game. There's no rule. There's no no rule that says you have to play offense-defense. There is no rule that says you cannot play three lines of lacrosse. Stop saying that. Anyways, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Send a review down as well. That helps our rating. That helps our numbers. That helps our audience reach. So fire something down there while you're subscribing. We appreciate it. Brad, let's head for the stables. We have reached the We have reached the Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables. Brad is your selection this week. Please proceed. Casey Boom Boom Beerns. Not many people have played more games in the National Lacrosse League than Casey Beerns did over his 16 year 17. 15. Career, 17 16. Okay, 16. 16. Columbus, Arizona, Minnesota, and then most notably with the Toronto Rock. 235 games played with just shy of 400 goals, over 300 assists, 687 points for for Casey Barons. Finally got a championship um, midway of his career, but it felt like late stages as he continued on after that. But getting that ring, one and only ring with the Rock in 2011, Hit the 30-goal plateau a couple times in his career, but just constantly consistent. One of the best quick sticks. A guy that never needed the ball in his stick to be successful. Like That's why you don't see a lot of guys that had a career that long where they had more goals than assists. He's one of those guys. He would just pick and roll his way to the net and then stick money. Sanderson to Beards. Doyle to Beards. Like it. 
And that's what I've kind of put down the set the show summary here. One of the best off ball players to do it. Like I, I honestly cannot think of too many more guys that had the ball in their pocket for less time that have more points than Casey Beard. 731 points total. Flip in uh, another 19 playoff games in there as well. Longevity, consistency, health. Uh, down near there in 05, but that's it. Otherwise, he's right near full game roster like every single time. And I bet you go up Look, and punishment. down. One of those guys that took punishment too. It's not easy yeah. to play full seasons for 16 years and play bang. be a traditional crease guy and bang as hard as he as he did. I bet you if he went up and down that Toronto Rock roster and asked like who they thought was one of the most valuable players on those teams, Casey Behrens would be near the top of the list. I first saw him, I'm trying to think, I want to say it was like 08 maybe, 09, Arthur Aces at the President's Cup at Queen's Park. And Wellington Aces, Wellington Aces, that was it. Uh, what year was that? 2013. And I was watching Casey Beers. I'm like, this guy is not a senior B player. Like, what is this? What is happening? That I think they went undefeated. They won the Prezi like easy that year. They had a stacked lineup. But I was like, man, this guy is impressive. I had no idea who he was at that time, but man, was he good. Two man cups as well with six nations in in thirteen or fourteen. So Wellington must have been a year or two before that. But yeah, you know, played some junior B. Was an Alora guy. Um, I think he played for that Alora Mohawks program that was was so solid for so long and playing in Founders Cups and did a little bit of everything. Man, he was a he was a high draft pick and had a thirty goal season right out of the gate and just did that consistently for for his entire career until he hung it up. Yeah, so Casey Beers. Welcome Stampede, to the stable. Stallion of the week. Fun <laughs> fact about fun fact about uh, Casey Behrens as well. His sister is actually Kate Burness, who is uh, of TSN anchor fame. Does the the Sports Center the highlights on, on TSN? Kate Burness. She actually changed her last name because people couldn't figure out how to say Behrens. So a uh, little fun fact there. People might not know that. No, that's a nice nugget. I've always wondered what the connection was because I remember she always tweeted about Toronto Rock stuff. She'd yeah. always been a big supporter and, you know, follows a lot of the guys, I think, on the on, on the Rock team from back in the day. Sure. But I was always like, okay, well, she's beer nest, so it's not. But no, 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 I'm putting people <laughs> There you go. So, uh, yeah, she just changed her name because I think it was, you know, people do that when you're a big TV star. Uh, Stampede Stallion of the Week, Brad, brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Carries a wide range of Carhartt hoodies, jackets, T-shirts, overalls, toques, and beanies. How about a face mask? They need those, too. They're going to be around a while here still, so pick up your face. Need some gear for your work crew? Ask them about corporate or bulk orders as well. They have some Carhartt for kids, too. Be sure to stop by Stampede Tack and Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th where you'll find an outstanding collection of Carhartt products. Or you can always shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Brad, that was an absolute monster of a program. Are you ready to call it quits? I think I am. I got turkey in the oven. I got to pull out here, too. Yeah, I'm ready for a cocktail. It's Sunday night. The sun is still shining outside. The backyard is still ready to go. I got to have another cocktail for the weekend. Uh officially ends fair enough uh big thank you to matt brown for stopping by to our fabulous sponsors of course stampy attack vancouver warriors and associated labels and packaging the most important one to you the loyal listener for checking out wax class each and every week we appreciate you so much keep that feedback coming and suggestions as well you can hop in the dms any 
time you like. We'll be back next week, every week, right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. But for now, we got to go. For Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, be safe, be healthy, and stay classified.